Welcome to another episode of Business Way Outside the Box. My name is Steve Dubin. I'm the founder of PR Works, and we tend to work with clients that are way outside the box. Uh, clients that have really interesting businesses or unusual businesses that really lend themselves to publicity and free coverage and visibility. Today, we have with us Honoria De Silva Kilgore, who is an attorney, has practiced uh, law uh, for over 25 years, has a bachelor's degree from Regis College and a, uh, and a Juris Doctorate degree from Syracuse University. And today she's here to talk about how to help um, high school students choose the appropriate college for them and get the best potential uh, financial package as well. So that combination, and she came, she arrived at that place because she had a son who was at that crossroad and then realized um, she could produce a better service to help others do the same. Welcome, Honoria. Thanks for having me, Steve. So, so tell us a little bit about how, you know, your, your son's journey. Well, at the time uh, we started looking, and it's something I advocate every parent and student do, we started early. He was fencing and he was on the national circuit. So we were all over the place and we were looking at schools anywhere we had any downtime and check things out. Um, so we got to see a lot of different colleges and universities and we got to talk to different coaches and really explore the way schools recruit uh, student athletes specifically for him, but also finding out how to get additional funds because you have two tiers of financing to get. You can get your straight up financial aid and that's all gonna be based on your FAFSA. And then you have merit aid and merit aid is institutional money that's free that you don't have to pay back. It's not student loans. And it's based on academics and other features that make that student valuable to that particular school. And that's really where uh, there's a lot of other additional assistance going on uh, aside from your straight up financial aid, student loans, uh, things like that. And I was pleasantly surprised and fascinated at how all of those inner workings uh, happened because we ended up getting a, a nice little merit package, but we did not qualify for a penny in financial aid. So that was very helpful to have that inside knowledge of how it worked at different schools and to have in our case, for example, when a coach wanted you to be able to kind of get their feedback and like, oh, admissions, you definitely would qualify for this scholarship if you apply by such and such a date. And it's, it's amazing how much of that is out there. And you, you need to know where it is. Um, so we, we discovered a lot along that journey. And it, I actually really enjoyed it. I love doing the research and the digging. And at this point, I think my database is over 500 schools that I've looked at in more than a dozen states of personally looking at schools. And it's just fascinating. But the biggest takeaway is 
there's so there are so many funds out there and you really should be looking at where you need the help so that you're not over borrowing. That's my biggest thing. Um, if I could put in a nutshell, what I'm doing is helping you find the best college without overpaying for it. Okay, and, and merit aid is a term that sometimes parents are not familiar with. In your case, your son was um, a fencing phenom. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, he was a fencer. And, yeah. and, and that means he wasn't building something in the backyard. He was using a sword. No, but as it turned out, you know, he ended up going to a division three school. So when you're talking about athletic scholarships and what you're looking at is division one, these are like really kids going to college to play sports. Uh, they can give you athletic scholarships, but the other ones don't. But that doesn't mean they don't have academic scholarships and all things being equal. Oh, and you fit this need or this particular niche that we have here. Great. That bumps you up. Got it. Okay. And so um, I think maybe one of the places to begin is at the end, meaning give us a good example of a student you helped and the kind of package they ended up with. Uh, and the kind of school he ended up at because it was a good fit and um, and and sort of the school was delighted, the student was delighted and the family was able to save significant dollars. Okay, I'm gonna give you my favorite story. My favorite story is uh, a family I helped out that really didn't have any college savings, but they had a brilliant, super nice, student and they really wanted to be able to give her an opportunity to go to college. They didn't know how they were going to do that or if they were going to be able to do that. So the first thing we always look at is academics. This is about academics first and foremost and then the other things that I, I factor in because I think the social atmosphere is really important um, as well as the financial package. You've got to have, in my opinion, all three. Why should you compromise? All schools are expensive. You need to have everything you need to get. So I have this student and she's brilliant and she wants to be an architect and she's an amazing artist. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're going to shoot for the moon here because you are in that zone and that caliber that this is within reach. Um, but we had to research and figure out exactly who had the programs they wanted. Plus there were other like DACA issues. So financial aid was not going to happen. She wasn't going to qualify for any financial aid. How do you get around that? I need institutional money. And we ended up having her accepted at different schools, you know, getting different packages. But the one that won out is basically she's going to Middlebury College in Vermont for $1,400 a year out of pocket instead of four years at $362,000. Okay. I'd say that's pretty darn good. Right. And, and I would assume uh, Middlebury is what, 50 grand a year typically? No. <laughs> right. But four years at Middlebury would cost you around $362,000. Oh that's the what they said with all of their costs. It's kind of funny. I would just look at the tuition and room and board, which right. is closer to like 70. But still, <laughs> whatever, 
whenever you look at uh, schools and what their anticipated costs are, they always factor things in like books and supplies. I expect my students are gonna cover their own books and supply costs. Uh, they look at travel costs that you should factor into your expenses and other uh, what I call soft expenses. I'm looking at the hard costs because that you can control. Tuition, room and board, books or online access, whatever you have nowadays. But those are really the out-of-pocket costs that you have to look at. And in addition to that, she gets a free laptop and health insurance. Wow. Terrific. Well, and so it, it sort of uh, reminds us that this is this is the second largest financial decision someone might make in their lifetime, other than buying a home, perhaps. And 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 part of the challenge is that um, there's a misunderstanding and a myth that a high school guidance counselor is really there to direct you through the process. Can you dispel that myth and, and sort of talk about the additional um, insight that you provide and, and uh, additional hands-on uh, assistance through the process? Yeah, absolutely. Because that is a, a myth and it's just not happening at all. I have not yet had one uh, family or student that has told me, oh yeah, my guidance counselor was doing this or that. No, the national average is if your student spends a total in four years of 40 minutes actually discussing college anything with their uh, guidance counselor at the high school level, you've exceeded the, the, the average. It's just not happening. What they're doing, and I understand they have a lot to do, a lot of kids to process, um, their first focus is getting you through high school and making sure you have all your credits and you, you know, done okay and you proceed along. Um, what I see happening is you get a pre-printed schedule. If you're not a troublemaker and you're getting good grades, you get a nice five-minute chat and out you go. That's not enough. And they don't even start thinking about college planning till generally speaking, second semester, junior year. And when college fairs come back someday, it's juniors and seniors only that are going. And that's it. You'll be lucky if you get any more uh, help than that. Sometimes they'll give you a website or two and it's like, okay, go research some schools. Then you do that on your own. The first thing they ask you is, do you like an urban school, a suburban school? Uh, a small school, <laughs> where do you want to be? And how do you know where you want to be if you haven't gone anywhere yet? You don't know the answer to those questions. And that's not a good start off to a search or just looking at schools because they're local or you know somebody who went there or somebody said it's a good school. What's that got to do with the price of anything if it's not the right fit for you? You know, you need to look at what does it have for me? What does it offer me to be successful? And what do I bring to the table to make them want me? Right. And and so uh, not to disparage high school guidance counselors, no, right hardworking people, they're just overwhelmed by the number of students they're trying to process on a yearly basis. And so um, they can only do... Um, broad brushstrokes of, of assistance. 
Yes, because one of the first things I do with the parents is find out one academically where the kids are at and keep them on track, um, which goes to my philosophy of why I want them as soon as I can, because it's all about laying proper foundation. And if you can lay a good foundation in high school, you have something better to build up. And the better your grades are and scores are and the strength of schedule, that translates directly to dollars available later. And what I find is that students that are either doing well or well enough or are perceived to come from families that don't need that help, whether because they're already affluent or on the other spectrum, they don't think they have any money to go to college in the first place, they're getting underserved. There, there's nobody really walking them through this complex process and where they can get the most for their dollar. And that's so important, not only to the student, but to the parents. I, as a bankruptcy attorney, I don't want these parents to become my client later because they have all the student loan debt that they have to pay back and, and can't handle other liabilities and debts in their life. And that's something I see all the time. Right. Okay. Um, shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about college tours and how those can also be overwhelming. Um, if you do your due diligence and you go to a number of schools, it can easily seem to blend um, and your recall and um, your, ch your choices um, are made um, in somewhat of a haze. Do you have a, a recommendation for um, improving upon college tours and, and trying to document um, the experience? I think so. I First, I wanna say that college tours in person are super important to the student, especially. Does this really in person match up to your image or what you thought the school was gonna be? Um, what's the surrounding area like? Are the kids all too preppy, too techy, too something or other for you? Or do you feel like you're going to fit in or not? You don't know that till you really go there and, and check it out in person. That said, the last thing we do as part of our research project, the first thing we do is identify schools based on metrics that make sense for that student. Then I have them do a deep dive online research everything that's out there on that school from their website and other sources. And then we discuss it and we talk about it and we decide whether or not to keep that on a list. And then once we're done with all that, I create what I call loops. I think when you're out visiting, it can get overwhelming and you should be efficient in that process. And so when you go in person, we're now only targeting the schools we're already on paper very serious about um, and taking notes and comparing certain things. And my goal is when the student goes in person, I wanna maximize that visit. I want, I want them to have an admissions interview, uh, a chat with the financial aid office if appropriate or available, and also uh, an in-person meeting with a coach or advisor that they might be interested in getting to know more about. Um, that's how you maximize it. And that's how you can compare apples to apples and get your questions out and see how they handle. Great. Okay. And my understanding you're working on um, some kind of handout that actually can be used to document 
the elements of your visit, right? Yes, Steve, I am looking at checklist. Soon to be, <laughs> soon to be available. Uh, soon to be available. Ideally, I'd like to do it so that you can assign like a point system and then just add it up. So you have something to compare one to another with, because you're right, they're all going to be very similar sometimes, but other times you think a school might be similar and then you get there, it's like, oh, this is much smaller than I thought, or maybe this is a lot bigger than it looks, even though it's got a small student population, but it's spread out. So it feels bigger or it doesn't have the right personality. So it's so subjective that you just need to kind of be there and, and take it all in and then compare the same things that either gave you a good or bad vibe at one place the same way at another. Okay. Plus look at physically the campus. Is it run down? Are they keeping up with maintenance? Because if they're not, you might have to wonder if there's some financial problems there. That's not something you want to get into. Sure. Okay. And then one of the things that is changing um, in the college admissions um, world is SAT, SAT uh, submissions, correct? You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. I'm keeping an eye on that because I find that very interesting. Um, before the pandemic, you know, SATs are so huge and they're still important. And my approach to them is significantly different than I think your average high school counselor, I'll get back to that in a second, but pretty much everybody needs or wants to have those SATs and with all its flaws and it's certainly, but not a perfect exam by any means, but it is a way of comparing apples to apples on a certain metric. So I get that. And prior to the pandemic, just about everybody's required you to have your SATs. And then as the pandemic hit and kids could not get into test centers, uh, and when they did, these things got canceled, rescheduled. And the class of 2021 graduating from high school, you'd be lucky if any of those kids got the CT scores. Uh, it was really hard. And as that was developing, all of a sudden, you had so many more schools become test optional, right? So over 3,000 schools, before COVID, maybe 80 were test optional. Because of COVID, over 1,600 became test optional. And now I'm still seeing if that's gonna stick and we'll see. Um, I'm finding plenty of schools that are test required. <laughs> so I don't know if that's gonna be a permanent thing, but regardless, whether they're optional, required, or not wanted, they're not wanted, fine. That's, that's a much slimmer margin of, of the total. But use it as a tool. What I want my students to be is in what I call the target zone of whatever school they're applying to. So not only should they have a very good chance of getting in, they should have a very good chance of getting money. And that's not to say that these are easy schools or safety schools. I hate that word. I don't let my kids apply to anything that would be considered a safety school because that already implies a negative 
connotation because mm-hmm. oh you're only going there because you couldn't get into somewhere else i'm like i'm not paying for that that's crazy you should only be applying to schools that you love that you want to go to and the end at the end of the day the decision should be who gave me the best package and that's where all my kids end up um so anyway whether you're going to submit these sats or not it's still i still know where all of that incoming class ranks on that spectrum. So I can use that to gauge how likely it is that my students are a good fit there combined with their academics, combined with their other interests and everything else that goes into making them who they are and using that information to then also see what that institution has available for funds for them, if if any. Okay, and then, One of the other um, myths is that uh, kids really only need to start thinking about this process at the very earliest in their junior year. Some people even put it on beyond that, right? So what's your recommendation about when a family should contact you and and really start thinking about getting the process moving? Well, I would love it if they did that as early as freshman year. Sophomore year is also very good. Junior year is crunch time. Rising seniors, you're way behind the eight ball. If you're just starting then, you're not gonna get the opportunity to do all of this legwork and all of this research so that you're maximizing who you should be talking to instead of running around just because I don't know, it's a pretty campus, it's nearby, so what? That, that has nothing to do with anything. If I, can I tell you a story about why I want freshmen? Sure. Okay, my other favorite story about starting early. I had a student, I have a student who came from a little parochial school and now is in the big local high school. Straight A student, I'm looking at her grades and there's not one honors or AP class in there. So I asked her, are you having a really hard time pulling A's in these classes? She's like, no. I said, do you like them? Sure. How come you're not in any honors classes in X, Y, or Z? And the answer was because nobody told me to be. And I'm like, yikes. Those same A's in a higher, stronger class setting are worth more money. Again, you might get a theme here. I'm always thinking about dollars for later. And you can't reset that trajectory as a junior. And by senior year, it's way too late. The, you know, you're, they maybe are going to see your first term and maybe second term grades, but you can't change the trajectory of what level classes you're in at that point in time. It's so hard. So you want to make sure you, you're on the right path and you build upon that so that you're accentuating their strengths. Um, and if I hadn't told her that, no one was going to pick that up. Right. Okay. Ever. <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of reasons to talk to you and get, uh, and get uh, back uh, on track and, and move forward with the process so that you really make a prudent choice and you get a great uh, financial package. What's the best way to reach you um, to start a conversation 
about how you can help uh, each family? I think if you just go to my website, personalcollegecounseling.com, you can poke around, all my info's there, you can email me from there or get the phone number, um, but it's a great place to start. Okay, well, thank you very much uh, for being our guest. Uh, this is Steve Dubin um, signing off. Thank you, Honoria. Uh, thank you for watching this on uh, another episode of uh, My Business Way Outside the Box. If you have a suggestion for a guest, you have my website on screen, prworkzone.com. We'd love to hear from more business owners who have businesses that are unusual. Thank you, Honoria. Thank you, Steve. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.